This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. means that everyone has enough, and it's a celebration of prosperity for all. So it's not even just financial, right? It's about choices. It's about freedom. It's about our values in the world. And if you're not practicing valuing others equally, if you're not fighting for the rights of others, then you're not practicing this day. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll learn about men's health issues. We'll discuss the real meaning of yoga. We'll find out about the five flowers to plant in your garden right now. And lastly, we'll explore anxiety and the end of COVID restrictions. But first, a little bit of business. You're a genuine health enthusiast listening to this show today. And Activation Products is your dream come true when it comes to living in a perfectly healthy body. Reclaim your health, cleanse your body, and extend your life. Activation makes all this possible by providing you with the best products for your best health. Activation Products can elevate your whole body's health in ways you had no idea were possible. No matter how old or how young you are, it's their mission to deliver to you the most efficacious health products available in the world today. Treat yourself now and find out what it's like to live in a perfectly healthy body, making every day a joy to be alive. Go to activationproducts.com and start your journey on reclaiming your health. Ian Clark is the founder of Activation Products. When he was faced with a life-threatening illness in 2004, he started a journey of natural healing that finally resulted in speed healing all his health issues, ensuring a very long and healthy life. These discoveries are now being shared with millions of individuals to enjoy their own journey to health freedom. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? Hey, Jamie. I'm doing very well. It's been uh, getting right into the summertime and it's exciting times ahead. Exactly. So today we're going to talk about men's health, which is really important for everybody, because even if you're not a man, I'm sure you know one that you care about and want to be healthy. In your estimation, what are the big health concerns for men? Well, there's many. And so you, but the big rocks are hormonal health, you know, making sure that your hormones are staying in line with your age. Mm -hmm. And the ideal age is, of course, 25 years old. Right. So biologically, you want to stay as much of a 25-year-old as you can throughout your entire life hormonally. Yep. You know, and then, you know, going into keeping your body clear from any congestion because mm -hmm. uh, congestion amounts to many different types of symptoms that take men's lives early, which are, you know, things like heart disease, you know, plugged arteries, uh, lymphatic system congestion, different problems with absorbing nutrients. Anything that, that is not really your bodily fuel can come in through what you're breathing, what you're eating, what you're consuming fluids, and congesting organs, like if your liver gets congested or your kidneys don't function as they used to. Mm -hmm. As people age, their organ function diminishes. Yes. And, you know, they, they may end up with like 30% of their kidney power, you know, by the time they're 50 or 60, if they're not knowing how to maintain those organs. Right. And it all ties in, obviously, to a healthy lifestyle as well, right? Like, I mean, there are things you can take and things you can do, but then there's just sort of baseline lifestyle stuff like exercise and sleep and nutrition that will obviously help things along. Right. Where do you want to start? Which category do you want to go to first? Well, I think uh, hormonal health would be a good place to jump in. Sure. That also ties into reproductive health, and it's 
secondary way. Yep. But so what is what men? What happens is they start to produce more estrogen and less testosterone. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a double whammy. If you have more estrogen production because of toxicity or slightly wrong healthy lifestyle that's not quite in line, or if you're not having exercise that keeps muscle health, not building big muscles, building functional, strong, solid muscles. Yep. Those muscles are what keep you into the proper testosterone production, which is altogether keeping you as a, as a male being as male as you ever were. So that ties into, you know, because if you think about your body as a biological, not a machine, but a biological organism, mm-hmm. and it's producing energy. So your bone marrow is like your battery. Your battery charger is your muscles. When you look at men as they age, their muscles begin to get smaller and less functional yes. and maybe calcified or a number of different things that can happen to compromise muscles from what they were when they were 25 years old. That's that whole 25-year-old thing again. Once you know how to maintain your muscles, which is 80% of your nervous system is connected to your muscles, so that directly affects your brain power as well. Once you know how to manage your whole muscular system in your body, then you keep your battery charger at full speed, and that way your battery remains charged up which is your deep level energy. So when you see older people, what happens? They have less and less and less energy because they don't realize you've got to keep the battery charged up. Yep. And that less energy also translates into organ function, brain function, enthusiasm for life, zest, you know, sustainability, stamina, endurance. All those things are tied in. And so you, the results you see on the surface level is as men age, if they're not aware of these things, they actually lose that power, they lose that energy. And, and it just has a sort of a domino effect to have a person aging much quicker than they should be. So I've seen it many times where people have aged rapidly instead of aging one day at a time, which they should be their whole life. They might be aging 10 days at a time. And, you know, you'll see them at 65 and then see them at 70. And you can't believe the difference in their physical appearance just in that five-year period where they look kind of really good up until they're about 65. So there's evidence of that all around us. And that is not normal, although in society it's normal because that's what we see everywhere, but it's not normal for us. Agreed. So, you know, learning how to calcify, like making sure you're not getting calcified. You know, we, I've learned a lot about there's two different vitamins that have been touted in the world for a long time. One is not very well known and one's very well known. One is D3, which pretty much everyone knows about. You know, you get D3 from the sun hitting your skin. You can take a D3 supplement. People say you have to buy vitamin D with milk, for example, to be able to get the calcium availability from the milk. Right. So that's common knowledge. Mm -hmm. What's not so common knowledge is that K2, which is a vitamin K2, and particularly K2 MK7, goes with the vitamin D to then transport the available calcium to the places it's supposed to be, which is in your bones. Right. Otherwise, it can go into your arteries and cause them to be hard or plugged. It can go into your muscles to make them sore and stiff. It can go into your joints to become painful. There's many different problems that could be completely alleviated if a person guarantees to have a high-quality D3, MK7, K2 vitamin going into their body every day. 
So that's just one very important point. Yep. And something as simple as that could actually cost a man his life. You know, many men pass away in their 40s from heart attacks. Yes. And the first sign of heart disease is they are having a funeral, which is shocking. And and same in their 50s and 60s. So those kind of surprise things are completely avoidable by simply maintaining the calcium equilibrium and not letting and making sure that you're not having any kind of infections in your body that are under the surface that you're not really noticing because bacteria inside the arteries also cause roughness and that will also attract, you know, uh, different unhealthy cholesterols to pile up. And so I think, you know, men don't want to have surprises. They want to live a long, healthy life and be there for their family and support and be loved by them and enjoy their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, hopefully. You just touched upon one aspect, which is, you know, the arteries and, and, you know, the calcification and the particles that can clog the arteries. So how can men be sure to have a healthy heart and, and have their clear arteries? In addition to obviously the lifestyle things, what, what else can they do? Well, there's, it's really a fuel-based thing. Okay. So the fuel going in your system, uh, one of the really big components to heart health is magnesium. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, magnesium has been studied for the last 25 years really deeply in the medical world as well as the natural products world. And what was discovered is that there are 330 biochemical reactions that happen 24-7 inside your body that rely on magnesium as a catalyst. They call it the master mineral. And magnesium in food has been less and less bioavailable over the years. And depending on the type of magnesium a person is consuming, either through their diet or supplementation or through their skin, will depend on how effective and how much of that fuel they have. Now, you don't need a lot of magnesium, but you need enough. Mm -hmm. And when they did the first level of study, they they believed at that time from their studies that clinically 85% of the population overall, from children to elderly and males and females, are magnesium deficient. It means they simply don't have enough to function at the highest level they should be. And so there's different stages of magnesium deficiency. You know, the first two stages, actually, you don't feel anything. Your body is sensing it and being compromised, but it doesn't show up as a symptom. If you have a a stage three level magnesium deficiency, you'll start to have symptoms like a little bit of anxiety or stiff muscles or sore joints or poor sleep or maybe some heart palpitations or, you know, a little bit of brain fog, not not great digestion. There's a bunch of, there's so many symptoms, I'm not going to list them all today. But when you see them, that's stage three. So it's not good. That's, that means you're, you've advanced quite a bit, and you've got to pay attention to your magnesium repletion. You know, repletion is the opposite of depletion. Yep. So having that as a, because it's a fuel you burn every day, the more brain power you use, the more magnesium you're using. Women particularly, you know, when they have their cycles, they're using a lot of magnesium. But men, every time you're stressed, every time you're under sympathetic stress, you're burning magnesium a lot more. Now, men thrive on stress. So if you put a man in sympathetic stress, he goes and gets the job done. Yep. And then he goes and sits down on the couch and he, he rebuilds himself. That's where he you know, produces the testosterone from you know, going out and getting stressed. If you stress a woman, it does the opposite effect. It's not, that's not good for them because we're built quite differently that way. But men thrive on it. So if you don't have the fuel to be able to produce the repair mechanisms and the, the testosterone and the hormones you need, then you simply don't build the proper amounts, and then you become lower and lower on that. And that's why you see men with their pot bellies and visceral fat and, you know, sore feet and different things that come up, and then the liver gets compromised. And there's all these different, like I said earlier, a domino effect 
yep. that can really affect the male's overall health picture. And it's so simple to fix. You simply put magnesium into your skin is the best way. And there's a thing called magnesium chloride hexahydrate. It's not just magnesium chloride. It has to be a very specific form. And then it goes into your skin or you can supplement it. Uh, the only thing is there's a thousands of supplements in the magnesium world out there. Most of them are truly not greatly beneficial. And each one of them, when you consume them through your digestive tract, they tax your system. For example, your kidneys mm-hmm. have got to work really hard to process magnesium when you take it as, a, as an oral supplement. So having those, like between the K2MK7, D3 combo, and, the, and this magnesium chloride hexahydrate, that is going to alleviate those fuel energy depletions, like having a, a good tank full. You want to keep your tank full. So what happens, with, the biggest mistake I made, because I made lots of mistakes, as I was learning how this works, mm-hmm. I would fix the problem by getting rid of my symptoms. So I would take magnesium, I would do this, I would do that, and then these symptoms would go away. But what I didn't know is I was going from a stage 3 to a stage 2.7, where I don't feel it anymore. And so I go, oh, I fixed it. I'm good now. And so then I would stop, and I would go back to symptoms again six months later. Right. And I would kind of yo-yo back and forth until I finally realized there are certain must-have elements that you have to have as a male to have a long, healthy, successful life in the physical body. And these are the things I just mentioned. These are must-haves. These are fuels that your body requires. You will not get them enough out of your food. You're not going to get D3 out of the food anyway. Yep. You know, unless you eat a whole bunch of lamb's wool. <laughs> You'll get <laughs> uh, some there. I'll, I'll pass on that, but okay. We have a few minutes left. What about reproductive long-term health? Well, yeah, the, the one thing that they tell you now, I, I want to refute this because I think it's a propaganda kind of. Yep. They say that every man, if they live long enough, they will eventually have prostate cancer. They, like, that is inevitable. Mm-hmm. And the prostate, of course, is very important at the center part of a man's reproduction system. If they are compromised with their prostate, with cancer or surgery, they lose function. It can even take their life. So the prostate health is a very important thing to focus on for men, especially anyone over 40. But I personally think that men should start thinking about their health at 20, mm-hmm. because if you wait till 40 and 50, you're going to be at a stage three prostate issue, which is a plugged up prostate. It's a, an enlarged prostate, or it has some kind of a, of a slight infection in it that causes dysfunction and all that stuff. So things like pumpkin seed oil uh, has lots of natural zinc in it. Plus, as, as an oil will go in and cleanse and nourish the body, the oil will keep everything like healthy and moving. Mm-hmm. and all dissolve out any of the solids that would build up in a body. So pumpkin seed oil is just super well-known for men's prostate health. And if you take it every single day, after about three or four months, men's prostate symptoms go away. So it doesn't, doesn't cure prostate. It just gets rid of the junk that's in the way of the prostate working properly. Yeah. You know, people are like, oh, it cured my prostate. No, pumpkin seed oil doesn't cure anything. It's simply a nutrient it cleanses and nourishes and energizes the body to keep it in really good shape. So if a man were to take a tablespoon of pumpkin seed oil every day, and there's different levels of pumpkin seed oil. Uh, the ones that I use are all certified organic. Uh, it comes out of, out of Austria. Yep. It's called Sterium pumpkin seed oil. And that is like we've seen so many people just get feeling better and better in that area of their body for the men. Uh, for women, it's also great for their ovarian health. But, you know, we're talking about men's health today, and it's, these are the big rocks. 
Because how many times have you heard that men have got prostate cancer and died? How many times have you heard they get heart attacks or strokes? It's very serious numbers. It's shocking, really, the actual percentages. So just to, yeah, keep your insurance policy intact <laughs> by investing in the premium raw ingredients your body knows it needs and uses to keep yourself healthy in those areas. Well, that's fantastic advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Will you come back again soon? Yeah, I'm planning to, for sure. I always enjoy our talks, and I really, really appreciate the work you're doing, Jamie, in this world and helping people learn about these things. Well, I appreciate the work you do, Ian. That was Ian Clark. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss the real meaning of yoga on The Tonic. You're a genuine health enthusiast listening to this show today. And Activation Products is your dream come true when it comes to living in a perfectly healthy body. Reclaim your health, cleanse your body, and extend your life. Activation makes all this possible by providing you with the best products for your best health. Activation products can elevate your whole body's health in ways you had no idea were possible. No matter how old or how young you are, it's their mission to deliver to you the most efficacious health products available in the world today. Treat yourself now and find out what it's like to live in a perfectly healthy body, making every day a joy to be alive. Go to activationproducts.com and start your journey on reclaiming your health. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural liquid greens. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Julie Watson is a teacher, a mother, a voice for women and mental health, and a student of life. She's trained in fitness, yoga, and nutrition for over 20 years, and she believes in fusing mind, body, and spirit to bring awareness to our struggles and create a deeper learning and growth. Julie is a co-owner of Afterglow Yoga and Movement Studio in Toronto and a co-host of the Afterglow podcast that promotes challenging the systems of patriarchy and provides tools for women to embrace and create their most courageous self. Welcome back to the show, Julie. How are you? Thank you, Jamie. I love being here with you. So this is a good day for me. Excellent. I feel the same way. So how do most people think about their yoga practice? You know, this is so interesting for me because my own practice has changed, but there's kind of a few different reasons that I think based on the different styles of yoga, like we've got restorative, hatha, power, hot. I mean, I can't speak for everyone else, but I believe most people come to yoga for that Zen feeling, right? Kind of to escape their problems and and reduce stress for an hour. Or if you're doing like a power or hot class, it's, you know, to get fit where they say like the weight just kind of melts off. But I mean, I know this was my reason for 
like 25 years ago when I first came to yoga, I was really coming to find that space to escape from my life and to get calm and feel peaceful and, and breathe, right? Yeah. Some other times I would do like a hard class and then I would do like inversions and arm balances and prove to myself how strong I was. But, you know, I think you can get all this in the physical practice of yoga as well as the flexibility, the strength, but the real meaning behind what traditional yoga, it goes a lot deeper than that. Yeah, and I, and I think... For North Americans, that's sort of, unless you're fully immersed in sort of the yoga community, if you're casual, you don't really appreciate that it's a mindset, it's a philosophy, it's it's a lifestyle, it's much broader than just the physicality or even sort of the quietness that you get in the studio. Absolutely. And I don't think that it's everybody's fault. It's like the westernized way, right? Yeah. It's like we've taken some sacred practice and then moved it into like, well, okay, well, how are we going to work this into our regular life right now here in the U.S. or in Canada? Right. So the precepts of yoga, there's what's known as the eight limbs of yoga. What are they? And can you sort of elaborate on what, what that's all about? Mm-hmm. So the limbs, particularly which I'll get to later, are like a focus on what you need to do kind of all the time and practice, which is why they call yoga a practice, right? Mm-hmm. So to outline the eight limbs, they're kind of like the Ten Commandments, right, for the religious people out there. So they consist of the yamas, as I said, I'll, I'll get to that, which are like abstinences, but I, I would rather think of them more of as awarenesses. And then there's the niyamas, which are observances, the asana, which people know, postures, right? This is the practice, the physical practice of yoga. Mm-hmm. Pranayama, which is the breathing, which we know and and think about in terms of, you know, getting ourselves through the practice, inhale, exhale. Pratyahara, which is withdrawal, dharana, concentration, dhyana, meditation, and then samadhi, which is the absorption of all of it. And it's sort of like that state of bliss that we think that we're going to get to at some point. But they sort of form this sequence from the outer to the inner where we go inside. And as I mentioned, the five yamas, which are the practices or observances, they're observances of ethics. Right. As sort of a social concern is really what we need to draw attention to in our modern world. And I think that's a huge element that's been forgotten when we think of yoga. But it's more important, right, as we're we're coming out of our little shells. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sort of sensing a change of focus. Right. Like, I think we've all been ruminating and we've all been sort of looking inward. I think it's time that we start looking outward into our community and and Mm -hmm. our connectedness. And I think yoga has a lot to offer on that front. What is the concept of ahimsa? So ahimsa is really about like how you can kind of be in charge of your own life. We think of ahimsa, the, the, the translation is nonviolence. Mm-hmm. Some people think of it as like love or kindness. I think that denotes a sort of soft, self-serving approach, whereas the yamas in general are really about looking outwards into humanity as a whole. So it's more about ahimsa as disrupting harm. So we don't often hear ahimsa, you know, the nonviolence as disrupting harm, but we've got to be aware of our impact, right? And our, and the impact of others in this world. And it's kind of about calling out the violence or injustice or inequality that we see when we see it, right? Like you mentioned, in our world today, there's been so much going on. And so, for example, being an ally to the BIPOC community, it's not just saying that you understand and agree that racism exists. It's about calling it out when you see it. It's about taking action against it. It's about supporting others and treating them the way you would want yourself and your closest to be treated. Let's explore some of the other concepts, too. And, and of course, you know, it goes without saying I, I agree with that. What is satya? So satya is translated as truthfulness. 
And when we think about truth, we think about, you know, not lying or being honest. But it's not just about telling the truth and being honest. It's about seeking the truth. And then again, very action-oriented. It's about calling out the untruth, right? We're, we're participating in fact. So in what way are you or others perpetrating injustice or lies? And again, in our world, right, are you okay with or do you support equality, maybe as long as it doesn't affect your own level of power, right? Are you all talk? So it's like, what actions are you taking to perpetuate untruth? Or if you're practicing satcha, what actions have you taken to support truthfulness? And we can look at this, you know, in our world today, particularly in Canada, with the Indigenous children found in Kamloops Residential School, you know, who in that area has been practicing satya or not? And are we, as a community, engaging in calling out the untruth, or are we going along with it? You know, when we think about, and I don't want to draw attention to religion, but, you know, the Catholic religion, they are not even willing to offer up records in order to help provide truthfulness, in order to seek or, or perpetuate truth. They're continuing to perpetuate the untruth. Yeah, just for clarification, we're talking about sort of the church administration as opposed to those who practice Catholicism. Who, you know, obviously there's a spectrum of beliefs there, right? Absolutely. So. I don't want to bring in a whole other discussion on that. Absolutely. Thanks for clarifying that. What is Astaya? Am I pronouncing that right? So it's Astaya. Astaya, okay. Yeah, and it's translated as non-stealing, right? And so you can look it up, you can Google it, it would say non-stealing. But what it really means is that you are not depriving yourself or others of what you need and what they need. So it's in essence that prosperity belongs to all of us. And essentially, you cannot be prosperous if we're not all prosperous, right? So let's think about COVID, right? A lot of people have lost their jobs, their homes, their businesses. And then there's this reverse effect where there's this abundance and accumulation of wealth for others. And so Estea means that everyone has enough, and it's a celebration of prosperity for all. So it's not even just financial, right? It's about choices. It's about freedom. It's about our values in the world. And so, again, in our society, we see this with the incredible imbalance with BLM, with all people of color, with sexism, right? If you're not practicing valuing others equally, if you're not fighting for the rights of others, then you're not practicing Estea. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you how, you know, these concepts are relevant today, but I think you've provided examples as we're going Mm -hmm. along. Let's talk a bit about how you sort of expound upon these theories in the context of your place of business and the way you teach yoga at Afterglow. So are you finding that people are yearning for this type of information and concept when they're coming to the studio? Or is this something that you're sort of showing them once they're there to, to sort of do the movement? You know what? It's kind of twofold, actually. So a lot of people are coming for one thing, but they're getting so much more from it because this is something that we're providing. And I have to say, we're providing it more now than ever, right? It hasn't always been what Afterglow was all about at the very beginning when we opened. We really wanted to have a practice. We wanted yoga, the practice, to be shared with everybody because we knew what the benefits were in that realm. But as we deepened, my partner Liz and I deepened our own practice and learned more. We studied deep philosophy with Sham Raghunathan from York University and got really into it. We also had Diane Bondi do a course on diversity and inclusion with our staff. And we've learned more, particularly in the last year, so that we can now provide and really authentically provide this information in a different way. So as we reopen 
this is really going to be sort of our mandate to connect people to the values of yoga and really inform them to what the benefits are. So are you going to be holding classes or is this just part of what you're doing in amongst the the physicality of sort of like the yin yoga and the power yoga and all the rest of it? Yeah, so it's a little bit of both. So, you know, in our classes, you know, first of all, all of our instructors are required to obviously have taken their yoga instructor's course, which is 200, 300, sometimes 500 hours. And as long as we know in our interview process, and usually what we do is we've actually go to their classes to try them out and see how, how we feel, what they're offering, we'll know that they can provide a lot of the components. And maybe not all. You're not always going to get it right. You're not always going to hit the mark. And in every class, you're not going to, you know, hit all eight limbs as you go along. Right, but. Yeah. We're going to make sure that we have instructors who are really familiar with this and have a belief system in this so that their philosophy, you know, is kind of mirrored through the practice and through their teachings, as well as we are going to design some specific classes that will really bring in these components of traditional yoga philosophy. And so we really want to make sure that people know what they're getting without us kind of throwing it in their faces. Because I think a lot of people don't actually know what the benefits are and how, just how much they're going to learn and benefit and grow from being in the practice of yoga. Well, that sounds great. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, I'm always happy to be here and always happy to chat with you, Jamie. That was Julie Watson. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss five flowers that you need to plant in your garden right now on The Tonic. Is joint pain keeping you from enjoying your favorite activities? New Roots Herbal can help. Whether it's reducing acute pain and chronic inflammation or rebuilding worn down cartilage, discover joint pain relief, Inflaheal Plus, and chondroitin glucosamine from New Roots Herbal. Only the highest quality natural ingredients tested for purity and potency in an ISO accredited lab. Available exclusively at your local health food store. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Melissa Cameron is an organic master gardener and founder of The Good Seed. She's passionate about the connection between human health and nature and believes that regenerative gardens can help create food security and broaden ecological diversity. Melissa has been featured on Farmer's Footprint in Toronto Life, has been a guest speaker at Allen Gardens, and has been a well-received garden expert online and in person. For more information about her, you can always visit thegoodseedto.com. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? How's your garden? My garden is doing really, really well. Most of the work goes in earlier in the season with me. Now it's more about harvesting and enjoying and making sure it's watered properly, all those fun things. But today we're going to talk about something interesting that I hadn't considered, and that is sowing specific flowers into the garden, which is really interesting. Why should we do that? Why would we want to put annuals in our garden? So annual flowers are a great way to add a pop of color to your garden and also to 
add some life for pollinators. So we know that lots of us grow perennials like hostas, for instance. Yeah. But those don't flower very often. Right. So annual flowers are a great way to bring some pollinators into the yard and to maybe even experiment with some different color palettes that you might be shy about committing to a perennial with. I see. Okay, that makes sense. So this notion of sowing, what is that? Mm -hmm. What What is direct sowing? So direct sowing is a fancy gardener way of saying just planting seeds. Oh, okay. As opposed to plants or, or like smaller plants, like from seed, is that the difference? Or Yeah, that is the difference. So instead of going to the garden center and buying plugs or potted plants, you're actually going to buy seed packets and put those seeds directly into the ground. Okay. So what do we need to do? Is there anything we need to do to the soil before we put the seeds in the ground? Seems like intuitive. It does, definitely. So it depends, I guess, where you are sowing your seeds. So if you're using a container, which is great, you want to make sure you're using uh, a potting mix or a container mix. And that will be a lighter, fluffier substance that has something like perlite in it to retain more water because we know those dry out. So if you are going to use a container, make sure you're using the right soil for that. And if you're going to direct sow into your garden beds, I think it's great to always add compost and worm castings. I think we talked about that in our first chat. And that's just giving broad spectrum nutrition into the soil and allowing the flowers to not only germinate, but to thrive when they're smaller. Okay. So I'm sure you have some go-to flowers that you would recommend, which I presume are good for our climate. So, you know, what what would you recommend? Okay. I'm going to give you five. Okay. And these are great because I got, what we didn't talk about, sorry, and that's my fault. Seeds are very inexpensive. So when you go yeah. to the garden center, sometimes plants are twelve or thirteen dollars. But seed packets, you can often get like a hundred seeds for three forty nine. Right. So hey, that's a good thing. I would love for you to try cosmos. Okay. Zinnias. Okay, I know about zinnias. Yeah. Calendula. Ooh. Okay. Sunflowers. Okay. And nasturtium. So sunflowers, you, hmm. see, my garden f- is facing north. Can you grow sunflowers do you, or do you need direct sunlight and, and a good southern exposure for something like a sunflower? Sure. So as the name kind of indicates, sunflowers do prefer sun. And we know that because we've all seen them sort of turn to find the sun. Right. So to grow those, you would need a good minimum six hours of direct sunlight. But... You could grow something like calendula or nasturtium that are a little more shade tolerant. Yeah. So my backyard, there's maybe like three or four hours of good sunlight. And then the rest of it is sort of like I have a huge black walnut that's out of control in in my backyard. Yeah, no, I know. And so it can be shady at times. So not everything grows well. But this isn't about me. This is about others. (laughs) So those flowers, are they also good for container growing? So most of them are, actually. Calendula, especially. Nasturtium come in a couple of different varieties. So you can get one that would be a dwarf versus one that's trailing. And one of the things I love to do in raised garden beds is to plant trailing nasturtiums along the edge. And what happens is those flowers and leaves grow very quickly and robustly. They 
sort of cascade down the side of the garden bed. And it's just visually very compelling. And it can help kind of create more soft edges. So a lot of these flowers, including cosmos, for instance, are a bit more whimsical, a bit more airy, and can add texture to your garden. I have a lot of black mulch in my yard, and it kind of like, it looks quasi-industrial. So I go for Creeping Jenny, (laughs) which is that lime green creeper that seems to do really well. But I also let it run over the sides, and it looks kind of cool. It does. It does. And I think that, you know, one of the things that's really cool about container growing flowers is that if you do have a shadier area like yours, Mm -hmm. you could be moving that container. True. True. Okay. So one thing I know about my backyard, and I found this out as, first of all, it was filled full of ants, which I had to deal with. Another story, another day. But also, and this is the fact with a lot of places in Toronto, it was very clay heavy, which isn't necessarily Mm. conducive for certain plants. What do you do if there's poor soil? Like, what would you recommend? So a couple of tips and tricks for poor soil. One is it definitely does depend on what you plant. So I would say cosmos and zinnias, they really grow quite well, cosmos especially in poor soil. So you can choose varieties or flowers that don't care, let's say. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) The other thing is, when we are direct sowing, we know that seeds need consistent moisture for germination. So clay soils can be great for moisture, but if you had sandy soil, for instance, that might be really tough. So you could start those seeds in little pots in your backyard, Mm -hmm. wait until they grow a little bit and are a little more sturdy, and then transplant them as well. Oh, that's Another option. Yeah. Yeah. Any of these plants that you recommended, can we eat them? Dare we? Mm-hmm. You should, and you you must. Okay. So nasturtium, first of all, one of my favorite flowers to plant. In permaculture, we talk about stacking functions. So a plant that has, you know, at least two uses. And nasturtiums are great for that. So they are completely edible. The flowers are edible. The leaves have a spicy texture, almost like an arugula or a mustard green, and can be added to salads. Mm-hmm. So that's great. And then we have calendula on that list. And calendula can be dried, saved for tea. People use it, the flowers as an edible garnish. The leaves can be eaten. And also people use it to make salve. Oh, okay. So you mentioned too that we can eat, but you're not recommending that we go foraging in our backyard. There are certain plants you should not be eating, right? You have to really determine whether or not they're edible before you start eating, right? Completely. And I think that one of the advantages of direct sowing your plants is that you know exactly how you've grown them. So if you bought a nasturtium from a nursery, for instance, you might not know what kind of soil or what kind of synthetic fertilizers or herbicides or fungicides that were used. Right. Like in its growing process. So you would bring it home and you'd say, oh, Melissa told me I could eat my nasturtium. (laughs) (laughs) Growing it from seed yourself, you have control. So you can say, I'm growing this specifically to add to my salads, to add beautiful garnishes to my dishes. And I think that kind of assurance, knowing exactly what into your flower, will make you feel a little bit more adventurous to add it to your plate. Okay. Are there any concerns at all with bringing these annual flowers in for decorative purposes? Like, is there a concern bringing it into the house? So what I personally do when I am harvesting flowers from my garden to bring them indoors is a couple of things. So first, I say try to do it in the early morning or in the evening. Don't cut flowers in the heat of the day, you know, everything's yeah. a little bit wilty and gross. Mm-hmm. Harvest them, put them directly into water, and then maybe you want to leave them on a shaded porch, for instance, for a couple of hours. And that gives any little critters that were crawling around in them yeah. time to sort of disperse. Right. The other thing is, you know, we don't want to over-harvest our annual flowers. 
So things like Cosmos, for instance, grow very rapidly and you know, can be very prolific. So you can cut back a third of them, for instance, and nothing bad will happen to the plant. But, you know, if you have a single stem sunflower, once you cut that, it's it's done. done. It's done. done. So you have to be mindful of the growth habit of the plant and also just decide what, you know, is important to you as far as table decor. But it is impressive. I know we're starting to gather a little bit more to have homegrown cut flowers on your table. So I never thought of sunflowers as annuals. If you allow it to seed, will it not grow back the next year? Sometimes it will. Sunflowers are kind of really cool to have as a pollinator plant because you're feeding the birds and you're feeding the bees. Bees, sometimes you can see like five or six on a large sunflower face. And then once it goes to seed, you're going to see birds that come and snack. And I think that's super cool. So if the plant is picked clean, probably it will not sell seed. If you are lucky and the sunflower seeds drop and the squirrels don't get them and the birds don't get them, sure, they may come up the next year. From that list, calendula will likely self-seed on its own. A calendula flower makes these really gnarly, cool-looking seeds, and they often come up on their own. Okay. But the rest of them, they're not going to come back year over year, right? Like you're going to have to replant, I would think? That's right. And so that's why we call them annuals. Now, if you Duh. do go out and buy <laughs> and buy seed packets for them, yeah. your seeds are most likely viable for a couple of years at least. So you may get to save them and then plant them again the next year. How would you store seeds? Is there a magic to it or is it basically you can keep them in the garage and it's it's okay? There is a magic to it. We don't want seeds to get too humid. Okay. So that's the first thing. And so if you can and you buy something that has one of those little desiccant packs, Mm -hmm. you can add that to your Ziploc bag full of seed envelopes, and that's super helpful. That is great advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Jamie. Will you come back again next month? I will. Thanks, and happy gardening. That was Melissa Cameron. We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. Are you looking for a fast track program to hit the ground running, speed up your success and build a coaching business on your own terms? You can launch your own lucrative coaching career in two days with the Certified Coach Practitioner Program. This program inspires you to take that first step in your coaching career, teaches you the ins and outs of coaching, gives you unique tools and resources for your client meetings and offers continual support so you can start your coaching career on the right foot. With the Certified Coach Practitioner Training Program, you'll go from being busy with a desperate need for a change to running a lucrative and bankable coaching business that fits your lifestyle. For more information, visit CertifiedCoachesFederation.com. Looking for a potent natural formula for varicose veins? NutriPure Circulex's unique blend rapidly alleviates heavy legs, cramping, varicose veins, and chronic venous insufficiency. Circulex's powerful combination of grapeseed extract, horse chestnut, butcher's broom, and blueberry is a must. Talk to NutriPure's experts on their social media platforms to learn how to manage your health issues all naturally. Hi, I'm Jamie Buston. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show and podcast, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's a health and wellness publication distributed with the Globe and Mail to each and every home subscriber in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. And it can be found free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA. You can learn more about Tonic Magazine at tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, check out the new look of Tonic Magazine. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. 
After spending more than 40 years on television, Kevin Frankish is in the midst of a reinvention. As a longtime mental health advocate, he's using his experience to reach out to others in a podcast and live stream about mental health called The Happy Molecule. For those that don't know, The Happy Molecule refers to dopamine, one of the hormones produced by our body responsible for our pleasure. The focus of his content centers on positivity and good advice as we face the worst mental health crisis in generations. Welcome back to the show, Kevin. How are you? Ah, nice to talk to you again, Jamie. So, yeah, the, the big news is, of course, things are opening up in the province and in the country. And I think most of us are are feeling great, you know, like we're, we're optimistic. Yeah. 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 But, you know, it's it's a strange thing. You know, I, I think I coped very well over the last 18 months with all the sort of changes and, and things that were sort of foisted upon us as Canadians. But, you know, recently I've had some struggles and I thought it would be helpful to sort of discuss that because not everybody is ready for the great, I guess we'll call it the reopening. You know, there's people that are going to be struggling, even though things are getting better. Is, is that your experience? Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, you know, and, and it's strange to talk about it this way. And I'm interested to hear, hear what you're feeling. But I mean, we're coming out of a thunderstorm. And you think that we would be looking forward to seeing the blue sky again, right? Yeah. And, you know, we should be. But I think that people don't realize that this has taken more of a toll on our mental health than we know. And it doesn't matter if, whether or not you live with depression or not. We are going to be coming out of this, and people are going to go expect to go right back into normal life, walk right into it, and feel just fine. But we are facing the next part of this crisis, which will be some social anxiety, where we are all of a sudden going to get on a bus. Yeah. And there's going to be people on there, lots of people, and they are not going to be wearing masks, some of them. We are going to be going to meetings face-to-face. We are going to restaurants. And unless you prepare yourself for that, you may find yourself all of a sudden living with social anxiety, and that could very easily lead to depression. So, so for me, I was coping well during most of the pandemic. I'm an introvert by nature, even though I have, you know, sort of a very public persona. Most people don't realize introversion is where you gain your energy. So I gain my energy by being on my own. So I can do this and I can be in front of people in large groups. But then I have to sort of, you know, almost turtle and be by myself. And what I was finding is with things opening up, You know, my wife wanted to make plans for the weekend or she wanted to plan a holiday for six months from now. And I couldn't wrap my head around the decision making, you know, like all of a sudden it became overwhelming. The things that you have to opt to do and and choose to do, which really we didn't have that option. You know, you, you couldn't go to restaurants. You couldn't plan a trip because it was, you know, you just couldn't. So that's what I was struggling with. Yeah. Life has been pretty simple. Right. You know what? Can you go out tonight? No. So, so, the, so the biggest thing that you had choice you had to make was, okay, what can I watch on Netflix now? Exactly, <laughs> and that's it. And you didn't have to make plans or check your schedule to see if you were available next Saturday to go out with uh, with friends. You know, and and so that's part of it. But the other part is just the the fact that we are going out there with our guard down. We're coming out of hibernation. Yeah, and a bear coming out of hibernation is extremely weak, very skinny. So, you know, if they go out there expecting, oh, I'm just gonna run like I always do, well, that's not gonna happen. So the best thing that we, the thing we need to do right now is first of all, realize this. And it's like that with any mental health issue, right? You've gotta first of all, recognize, wait a minute, let me think about this. 
start conversations. What's it going to be like when I get on the streetcar and all of a sudden I have to sit directly beside someone? I'm worried because it, it could invariably lead to depression in people. And the best way to guard against that is, first of all, realize this is possible and think about it. That's all you have to do right now is think about it. Well, think about it, but perhaps even plan and prepare, right? Well, that comes. See, that's the thing with thinking about it, right? And that's why I say think about it, because I don't want to give people too many things that they have to wrap their mind about. But just, first of all, recognizing it, realizing it, and talking with others about it. Hey, what do you think it's going to be like when we have to go to a meeting instead of doing it on Zoom? Right. Um, Just the very fact that all of a sudden our routine is going to change. We get pretty set in this routine. You know what? Don't have to brush our hair. Don't have to shave. Don't have to put deodorant on. But now, all of a sudden, our routines are going to change. Right. And we go back to what we think is normal. So thinking about it, talking about it, exchanging ideas, and that will help you prepare for it much better. Yeah. And, you know, we we all have time, right? Like, if if the pandemic has shown us anything, it's that we probably had more time than we thought we had to maybe sort of think about these things as opposed to all the frivolity that perhaps we sort of pack into our days otherwise, yeah? Yeah, and like I said, you know, you start with thinking about it. Yeah. And what that leads to as well is, is I'm not just saying sit down on the couch and think about it. Right, right. I'm saying all day long, think about it. So as you're walking down the street, think about how is this going to be different when lockdown is lifted? When you are, you know, going to get the mail, when you are walking through a park or anything like that, just think about, okay, how is this going to be different? Because in doing that, you are preparing yourself. You're starting to say, okay, this is going to be a little weird. If you don't, and then you go out on day one, you're going to get that funny feeling. And you may not even know what it is, and you're going to be unprepared, and you won't be able to deal with it. But at least if you can go out on day one and say, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm a little leery, that's okay. That's normal. I've been, we have been sequestered for more than a year and a half now. Yeah. So that's normal. And, and if you can realize it's normal and it's okay and that it will pass. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I remember once I had a car accident this about 20, 30 years ago. And I remember distinctly, I don't want to drive again. Yeah. I don't want to go on the road. Yeah. I'm, I'm scared of it. And for months afterwards, you'd get on, you'd get on the 401 and you'd be petrified. But it passed. I got time healed that and, and I dealt with it. You know, it's interesting you say that. So, you know, when recognizing that I was having trouble sort of wrapping my head around the choices and I didn't want to hold anybody up, right? Because, you know, if you can't make a decision on, you know, wh- what you should do on the weekend, well, you know, your spouse is not going to be thrilled with that. They're not going to just necessarily sit there with you. They want to do something or, or do something different. Similarly, you know, you have to plan a trip with your significant other. So what I said to Naomi was, okay, I am seeding my input to you. I'm creating a trust and I trust you. So I know that once I'm in it, like once we've traveled, once we're in our destination, we're going to go to Los Angeles. I know that when I'm in Los Angeles, I'm going to be happy to be there, but I can't wrap my head around it now. So you make the decisions now, whereas before, you know, obviously we'd make our decisions together. And I know that by the time we're there, I'll be ready. But right now I'm not. And so don't let me hold you back. Let's just move forward. And I'll, I'll catch up. So that, that was my way of dealing with it. I'm not sure that's for everybody. But, like, I respect people that are, are having difficulty moving forward, for sure. It, you know what? And that's exactly it. And, and that's with any mental health issue. Telling someone else how you're feeling. Yeah. 
right now, this is overwhelming me a bit. And they may ask why, and you and you can say you can tell them why, yeah. and that's a, that's a lesson too for people like Naomi. You know, they have to be saying, okay, okay, don't try and fix it, don't try and say, oh, well, you know what, Jamie, calm down, and and you know what, you write things down, or what, don't try and fix it. Just understand, listen, and say, okay, I'm here, I got your back. Right. So being worried about the future, you know, that's sort of a lot of people feel that way. That's sort of that is what anxiety is, right? You're mm-hmm. you're worrying about what's going to happen. By not doing all of this, what, what risks do we run into? The risk is depression, is any other mental health illness. If you already have depression, the risk is you can worsen it. I'm also very concerned about people, and I'll talk about that in just a moment, about people who currently do have, are living with, with depression. Yeah. But the risk is, of course, a worsening mental health situation. Now, with people who already have depression, they've actually, the, the reports that I'm getting from a lot of experts is that people who have depression have actually weathered the lockdown pretty well because it's taken away this need to plan for the weekend and yeah. things that, that, that created anxiety for them. Yep. So now all of a sudden, people who have depression are going to be faced with all of the demons that they left behind a year and a half ago right. and may have not spent this time dealing with those demons. And the only result of that is going to be a worsening of their condition. Totally makes sense. I know you're of the view that a secret weapon in the treatment of anxiety and depression is a four-letter word. What is that word, and why is it so powerful? The word is hope. It is. It may seem rather innocuous. It may seem, you know, so what? It's just hope. If you have hope, and hope is positive, hope is that things can be better. Not hope, hope it, things will be better, but things can be better. There's a difference. And using that word by saying, you know what, I may feel a little anxious when I get back to life. However, I know that it can be okay. I know I can work with it. I know I can work on it. And I know that it can be better. So hope. If you have hope. That is that is the main weapon in fighting any kind of anxiety, stress, depression. It, it, it is everything. If you don't have hope, you have anxiety. Totally makes sense. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Always a pleasure. We hope to have you back again soon. Thanks. Bye, Jimmy. Bye-bye. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Ian Clark, Julie Watson, Melissa Cameron, and Kevin Frankish. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can always follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. The July-August issue is available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to every home subscriber in Toronto west of Victoria Park. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Next week on the show, we'll discuss the health and wellness issues that are important to you. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.